Hey guys, Esther dropping in from the future with a preemptive apology for the sound quality on this episode. Uh, we had some technical issues and it came out sounding like Aoife recorded her audio on two tin cans and a piece of string. So yeah, sorry about that. We did our best with it. Uh, next episode, we should be back to the thrilling professional grade audio standards you've come to expect from us. Okay, uh, enjoy the episode. Bye. Welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we're talking about Babysitter's Club book number 46, Marianne Mrs. Logan. Um, I actually read this one as a kid. I had completely oh. forgotten. And then there were two like specific turns of phrase in this that I was like, oh, I've read this. I, I know this book. Ooh. Um. But, like, the entire, like, plot I had fully forgotten. Uh, I had no idea what was going to happen at any point in this. But, um, yeah, you know that thing where, like, just a line sticks in your mind forever? Yes. Yeah. So many of those. Cold, gloopy pepperoni from the first one for me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, first of all, there was when Marianne is giving the backstory to why she's missing Logan. Mm -hmm. She says that, um... Our relationship cooled off so much that it froze and snapped in two. And I remember being like really impressed by that as a kid and being like, wow, that's such a verbal flourish. I'm so impressed. <laughs> like what a masterful use of metaphor. It is for these books. It is, it is nothing. It is. It's all flourish. Like It's it's more craft than, than she usually puts into these, particularly yeah. at this point. Like, I felt it was kind of unfortunate. Um, it was like, what snapped <laughs> off, you guys? Are you okay? <laughs> but, um, okay. That's not enough. how I interpreted it, but okay. There are two kinds of people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the two genders. <laughs> and then the other one was Marianne persuading her dad to let her buy an outfit that he thought was revealing because she said it wasn't nearly as revealing as a bathing suit. And... I remember as a kid and still now being like, that seems like a really weak line of argument because like all clothes are less revealing than a swimsuit. But like, I, I, I just don't think this argument holds up at all. Mm. That sounds vaguely familiar. I wonder if that occurred in more than one book. I'm pretty sure it's a line that people, I mean, I say it sometimes if I'm like, going, eh. We're like, we're running in just one of those big kind of sports bras. Like, yeah, Beckett, I've shown more at the beach. <laughs> or if I'm Fair like enough. changing top, changing my top with my bra and there's other people in the room or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I'm about to take my top off and see more if I was at the beach, you know. <laughs> I often feel that, like, there are bathing suits that I have even worn myself where I would just be more comfortable naked. There's something about the <laughs> style of them. They're like, oh. <laughs> this just feels a bit much. <laughs> oh, yeah. What about you guys? Had either of you read this before? No way, I'm saying. Nope, this is new to me. I actually would think I would have liked it because it, it wasn't really a boy book that much. It was more a middle school drama book. Yeah, there's great drama. Yeah, it's it's there's actually very little like romance drama. It's just oh group projects. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> I was not expecting a group project drama when we started out with this. Um uh yeah, I think we were just based we were on the title, like it was gonna be gearing up for yeah. like, oh, annoying boy stuff. Five pounds of chocolate and like <laughs> someone ordering for you at the restaurant. 
<laughs> yeah, overall, I think this was a pleasant surprise for us mm-hmm. all. Yep. Um, let's talk cover art. Yes. Hodges, like, fully phoned it in this week. Yep. Um, according to the Babysitter's Club fan wiki, the cover art that's on this was actually reused. It was originally in the Babysitter's Club calendar for 1991 and they just like repurposed it for this book because it has absolutely nothing to do with the book. Um, It is a painting of Marianne at a roller rink uh, falling over and being caught by Claudia and Christy and one of the blondes. (laughs) Yeah. I want to say that's Stacey. I was reading her as Dawn, but I don't know why. She looks neither sophisticated nor California casual. I think that's maybe a California colour. It's a sturfy kind of a colour. But I think her hair was shorter and she has a little fringy thing going on, which would make her Stacey. And she's wearing like tight leggings, which is, that's why I thought Stacey. But I mean. Yeah, Stacey wears a lot of leggings. Yeah, that Mm. was my outcome. Dawn generally wears loose clothes, as Marianne says in this book. It's just the first time anyone's ever mentioned it, but whatever. Leggings were, um, you know, fashion baby instead of um, <laughs> I'm going down to the shop and I need to wear <laughs> yeah. something other yeah. than pyjamas. Um, they're the next step up from pyjamas. Yeah, it is hard to remember a time when leggings were a statement item, but we don't need to remember it because we have um, documentary record records in the form of these many, many books. <laughs> There's a bit much later on, which I'm sure we'll get to in the uh, costumes, Uh, where someone is described as wearing very fashionable paisley leggings and I was like, they were not fashionable when I wore them. (laughs) I was given so much stick for the patterned leggings. It was both considered like incredibly square by my schoolmates and like too fancy for the school dress code, which was very, um, very nebulous, I have to say. Uh, I'm still mad about what happened with the patterned leggings. I don't think I have worn them since about 1998. (laughs) I had like Oh yeah, 1998 was quite late for leggings. I thought the leggings were fine for the record. But you and I wore the same coat um, for several years, so I think we were on a level (laughs) fashion-wise. Well, that is true. (laughs) No offence. And by 1998, I was was aware that wearing leggings would get you laughed out of town and that what was in fact absolutely required was boot-cutter flare trousers. If your trousers didn't go out at the bottom, you were just doing trousers wrong. I didn't have trousers that did that, but I knew I was doing it wrong and I was ashamed of it. And I wouldn't have worn leggings to school. Adolescence is a nightmare. Isn't it? It's incredible living in a a landscape now where there is just like a wide variety of jeans. All of which we've discussed in detail in the sections that Esther has cut out. <laughs> yeah. I'm saving it for a Patreon bumper episode. <laughs> If you all guys want to hear talk all the time, just all the jeans talk. <laughs> At the risk of perpetuating the jeans talk, I do want to shout out Marianne's incredible mom jeans on this cover. They're just the mommest mom jeans that ever mommed. Oh yeah, there's so much waste going on. It's got that thing where um, I know it's it's part of the whole. Hodges is trying to represent something quite difficult here in terms of her pose. So she's like half fallen over and they're holding her up. Uh, But there's so much crotch. I wouldn't say there is waste, 
There's just like, yeah, she looks like she's in a padded astronaut suit that also happens to be jeans that are rolled up, rolled up at the cuffs. I think it's like a really unfortunate, accurate representation of the way a pair of slightly loose jeans would bag up if you fell in that manner. It's like Hodges, you didn't have to be true to reality when you did that. <laughs> the bumping sound you're hearing there was Fake's head because he was under the desk oh, no. and was trying to get out. Oh, like didn't bother him but he was just sort of failing at getting out from the desk he was real determined to do it standing up he is taller than the underside of the desk so <laughs> oh yeah she does look a little bit like she's got a nappy on under the jeans there's there's a lot yes. of yeah, yeah too yeah. realistic bunching of fabric also i don't have pa- a palatable phrase for the type of sweater that christy is wearing other than that, it's got a very dramatic pattern in the style that was made popular by a sitcom star of the time who's now so deeply cancelled that I'm not going to use his name. But that's the kind of sweater that she's wearing. Oh, who even is who? who? What? It's a sweater. Oh my god, it is a sweater. Okay. Oh yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I think she, she mugged and took his sweater <laughs> off him. Well, good for her. <laughs> Excellent praxis. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Let's move on to the UK cover, which at least is very, very specifically targeted at this book. Um, it's got Marianne pining. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better better word for it than that. She has clearly just gone, <sighs> yeah. But more wistful. I didn't get quite as wistful as I wanted there. She's extremely wistful. The wist levels are off the charts here. <laughs> She is holding a Megan Reinhardt book. Um, so the artist did actually read this whole book all the way through, or at least like a third of the way through. Yeah. She is wearing, it looks kind of like she's wearing the kind of ratty, like dressing gown that you'd wear if you had the flu. <laughs> I think it's meant to be like a fashionably baggy sweater, but it just looks like a sort of a hangover dressing gown. I'm not sure why they decided like brownie beige was the colour. Um, it's ooh, very beige. And it's not like it's rendered in photorealistic detail and I can actually tell the fabric but just something about it makes me think chenille. Yes, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, yeah. It, it, I think you're right about that. I hate chenille. Um, yeah, it's not it rational is, but I hate it. It's, no, I'd say a lot of people share that with you. A lot of people have that sensory thing about that type of fuzz. Um, it's not you know, even like particular sensor group. I just it's so of the year 1991 that I just can't stand on I just associate it with being way too hot also yes I always quite liked it but I always found that anything I had that was made of chenille like fell apart after one wear so I just kind of associate it with disappointment (laughs) I would feel very glamorous in it for one wear and then it would have holes in it inevitably (laughs) I will say that the whole setup the whole pose and everything um, when I saw it first, having not yet read the book, I assumed that Megan Reinhardt was a romance novelist. Um, yes. Which is, it gave me some really low expectations because um, Marianne is staring into the middle distance and she is clutching this book by Megan Reinhardt and the book is about how she misses her ex-boyfriend. And I was like, I'm going to just like storm out of here, <laughs> out of my, my own living room, apparently. Um, if this is going to be, um, she was like, I read a romance novel and then I really thought about Logan you know yeah this would just that would be terrible it's it's not like that at all it's actually about how like i guess how you have to meet some new people and then you realize the people you previously thought were 
you know, not great are better than you thought. <laughs> it's about how group projects make you lower your expectations of other humans. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is, that is overall largely the message of this book (laughs) also i i like the art on a technical level is like really un unobjectionable but they've made her look just slightly like tubercular yeah (laughs) she's got kind of eye eye bags and a bit of a sort of malnourished look about her like she looks again like she's wasting away for the lack of a good man she's got a big forehead a five head yeah. A phrenologist would be all about that forehead. <laughs> like, oh, she's no wonder she's so sensitive. I could tell just from the second I looked at her. Yeah, look at that bump of veneration. Like, it's all over the place. Bump of wistfulness is off the charts. <laughs> but yeah, it really does set you up that this book is going to be like a sentimental nightmare, and it's really not. So, no, it's not. It's actually good, wholesome old middle school drama. So who do we think wins this week? Like, Hodges is like... Um, uh, the artist who did a competent rendition of the scene from the book. Yeah. 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 Like... Yeah, at the end of the day, Hodges' art is not to do with the book at all. Um, (laughs) It's not a book cover for this book. Do you know, um, I noticed the tagline. um, Have they always had taglines on the Hodges covers? Yeah, I think so. Because I think maybe they've just been so bland I haven't noticed them. But this one, um, (laughs) what does it say in this one? It says, um, uh, nothing beats your friends, but even so. And I'm like, in this case, whoever wrote that tagline, who would that have been? Someone at Scholastic? Um, They've had to come up with something that will tie together the unrelated cover yes <laughs> yes picture is unrelated and the actual <laughs> that book. was exactly my thought on it i think they did a pretty heroic job to be honest like yeah the, yeah i think actually honorable mention goes to the like marketing intern who did the title <laughs> for okay. sure that is the uh the sequence first prize goes to unnamed uk cover artist second prize marketing intern third yeah. prize hodges <laughs> in a competition of two yeah no hodges gets nothing this week uh he, <laughs> he, his art was not for this book yeah he didn't do a cover for this book no he did a page for a calendar maybe he wasn't <laughs> available that week and they stole his art actually Maybe we shouldn't judge Hodges. Too I mean, I'm sure he got paid for it, but you know, he got paid for the calendar, not for the cover. Yeah. Oh, I bet he got paid twice. What this actually reminds me of is like the scam I pulled through the second half of secondary school, where I did the same project for chemistry class, French class, and history class in three what? successive years. How? It was a project on the life of Marie Curie. It was perfectly relevant to every subject. I love it amazing and it got more accurate every year because the first year i did it i used an extremely biased and inaccurate biography for children that had been published in the 1960s (laughs) and then by the time i was redoing it for french class i was like oh that book was full of lies i should i should correct that (laughs) and then yeah by the third time around for history it was like i can reel off a three-page essay on the life of marie curie just off the top of my head it was great (laughs) it was the most efficient thing i ever did in my life honestly that's amazing. It's not even dishonest. I would be prouder of that than of anything else I had achieved in life. <laughs> <laughs> I am quite proud of it. Are you proud of me, Daddy? Almost as proud as if these were based on real grades. <laughs> exactly. I guess we, we better move on to the book. So, um, Marianne, 
establishes the theme of the novel straight out the gate. Line one, I missed Logan. Mm -hmm. She introduces herself. She tells us that Logan Bruno used to be her boyfriend and now she's pining for him. She says, I'm a pretty good brooder, especially when I am alone. Mm -hmm. Um, She's sitting around waiting to babysit the Cormans who shock her have replaced the Delaney's. The Delaney's have fucked off somewhere that their pretentious ways will be more appreciated. <laughs> and the Cormans have now moved into their house. I will miss the $400 cat. I know. <laughs> Poor Priscilla. It was uh, such... It, the cat was so useful for mining for comic gold. Exactly. And the Cormans don't even operate the fish fountain <laughs> because their baby <laughs> is afraid of it. <laughs> That's so funny that like she put this in here. It really feels like um like the set people have come to her and said, We can't afford the fish fountain anymore, so you need an excuse to get rid of it. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that that's based on like the actual Delaney's moving was in like a Karen book. Yeah, that would make sense. Presumably, yeah. Cause I think the Cormans are fairly like active in the Karen books. I don't remember them. I do think the Delaney's were in um Delaney's being in some, but I've only read about two or three of the current books, so. Mm. Yeah, I read a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> they were deemed appropriate for me, um, but I, it's <laughs> so, so long ago now. Like, yeah. Because um, I'm not seven anymore. It is hilarious that she included the fountain, but was like, but, but they're not the kind of people who use a fountain <laughs> in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. They're going to use it for storage. It's going to have everyone's, like, backpacks and hats yeah. and scarves and stuff in it. I gotta say, I feel like having an elaborate fountain in your hallway and then putting shit in it <laughs> seems like a... I think maybe take it out or something. That sounds pretty bad. Like, we have camping equipment in it. I'm just saying that's what would happen if I moved into that house. Because, like, yeah. taking it out, you're going to have to get a plumber and then someone to resurface the floor where it was. And, like, that's not going to happen. And inevitably, accessories are going to end up in there. Gosh, what would you even do? You know what? We need um, uh, listeners, to, <laughs> if you have any interior decor tips <laughs> for any of us, if we happen to move into a house that has a fish fountain that we don't want. Yeah. What it would you up. do with a fish fountain <laughs> that your child was afraid oh, of? Oh, you know what I would do? Before what? I actually moved in, I would have it taken out. Oh, you'd make it a condition of the purchase? Well, I'm moving into the millionaire's district, so I can afford to have it done. That's, That's true. true. That's true. Also, you are um, currently building a house, so you have more kind of understanding of <laughs> these things than we do. Yeah. What are your thoughts vis-a-vis -vis fish fountain in the new house? I mean... You gotta have it. Look, we're only splashing out in a few things. We want to have a bath large enough that my six foot four husband can fit in it. We want to have underfloor heating mm. because I'm always cold. Efficient. And obviously we need a fish fight. <laughs> the fact that our hallway is sort of small and kind of cramped because we want more room in the rooms where we actually spend time is irrelevant. We're putting a fish fountain in there. I mean, how else would people know that you're important and special? Exactly. Oh, our $400 cat, obviously, oh, that yeah. we're also going to get. The cat's just going to wear a collar that says I cost $400, although it should be just a true inflation, so... Yeah, <laughs> You can, um, I was going to say, if you want to be able to afford this fountain, you might have to like cut back on the cat budget and just get by like a 350 euro cat. <laughs> I mean, but who would want a $200 cat? 
You might as well get free cash. <laughs> That's what you do. Um, and then you just spend $400 on it regularly when it eats plastic and stuff. <laughs> At the vet. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they just, like, brought it to brown tops. <laughs> yeah, artisanal plastic. My cat has eaten some plastic and now it needs a Rolex. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I keep kind of saying things and then realising not everyone has listened to every episode of our podcast and knows all of every movie or book that we are familiar with. So maybe I should put the context in. Um, I should probably just rein that in. That's that's probably not useful. I mean, at this point, they know what they're getting with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's going to be some non sequiturs. Like, anyone who's coming into the podcast and starting with, like, the whatever the episode this is, is probably should expect that there will be references to things that they don't necessarily get. Okay. Yes, that's fair. Also, like just vegetables. Just go and watch Clueless if you haven't already, just for your for your own good. <laughs> oh yeah, you should watch Clueless. It's, it's a cinematic masterpiece. If you haven't watched Clueless, I'm not sure what you're doing here. <laughs> yes. yes I love that I watched Clueless before I ever read Emma, and then I was there like at 14 reading Emma, going, "Oh my god, this is very like Clueless." <gasps> Wait a minute. <laughs> I had the same experience, except I don't think I tweaked straight away that I was watching um, the uh, 19th century preboot of Clueless. I, it was when um, the Mr. Elton was going out over the portrait um, Emma did of... Um, Ty. Harriet. Yes. Yeah, I, w- I was trying not to say yeah. Ty, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Emma did of, of Harriet that I realized oh my god that's what that weird photo bullshit was about it works way better as a portrait well done jane austen you know what you're about yes yeah. <laughs> oh my god we had a zoom meeting the other day and we were waiting for somebody to show up um this is a work meeting and one of my colleagues um was just like oh by the way has anyone read this book and she lifts up a copy of um i capture the castle and my <laughs> zoom cut out and um, everybody else is like oh no never read that before and she's like yeah i don't know is it any good and i'm in the back i'm going oh my god it's my favorite book can anybody hear me <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. like two or three minutes before i could get back on and be like claire talk to me about i captured the castle read it, tell me what I think. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's that's such a terrible situation for you specifically <laughs> i know it's like what who is thwarting me at the moment what's going on who have i offended <laughs> Alright, so Marianne tells us all about her friends and their life stories and which of her friends have pets and how many holes each friend has pierced in their ears for some reason. (laughs) She's been carefully documenting all of this. Um, She tells us about uh, Logan and how they used to get on great and then he got into this like toxic masculinity shit so they killed their relationship till it froze and snapped in two. Um, she also says, aside from the special understanding we share, Logan provides romance. Only he could give me a hug and a kiss in just the right way and tell me that I would do fine on the English assignment. <laughs> this, that is a very specific conception of romance. Yeah. It is, however, a very, very odd conception of romance. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Here is the thing I want right at this specific moment, and I feel certain that my unavailable former love interest would deliver that. Totally. <laughs> Definitely that is what he would do. if he Wait, okay, yeah, that's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> 
the construct that I have in my head of my ex would definitely yeah. be able to live up to this. <laughs> I mean, I would call that supportiveness or companionship, but mm. I would not call it romance. Hmm. Also, did you notice at the start where they're talking about, like, you know, Logan Brown used to be used to be my boyfriend. A while ago I told him I needed some time away from him before I knew it and we had broken up. Well, that's not exactly how it happened. It's like, no! No, no. dumped him, Marianne, and he deserved it. Don't be like, oh, we, we broke up. Yeah, you said you needed some time apart and he was like, okay, I gave you five minutes. Let's get back together. Woo, here's a lasagna. And then you're like, Logan, I meant we need to break up. And he was like, fine. And then he hasn't spoken to me for like two and a half months or however long it's been. <laughs> yeah, like, no, Marianne, it wasn't that, like, things didn't get out of your control and suddenly you were broken up without knowing how, how this has happened and why. Like, you agonised over this, you gave it a lot of thought and you knew exactly why you were doing it. It was actually very good. You should own it. Yeah, it was very empowering. You finally took control of your own life for the first time. Yeah, because he was being very annoying <laughs> and he needed to be reined <laughs> yeah. in and he wasn't listening to you. Um, yes. Yeah, she's selling former Marianne short because she's so. now at that kind of, but what about my ex though point where, you know, <laughs> everyone yells at you, don't text your ex. <laughs> I guess the lingering memory of that five pounds of candy is faded. <laughs> <laughs> she's finally got to the bottom of the box of candy and she's like, oh, I need more candy. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, she's also stressing about that they're doing some English assignment where they're going to be randomly assigned to groups of four people and they'll have to study an author. And she's stressing out in case she's paired with Koki Mason or someone she doesn't know. Koki um, Mason, who is her mortal enemy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Either would be just as bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep, those are basically on a par. Uh... She's stressing out, and the only person she can emote at is Tigger, but uh, Tigger has the zoomies and isn't interested in providing that kind of support. I do like, this is the first time Tigger has ever done anything realistically cat-like. Um, yes. Other yeah. than, like, complain when Marianne tried to take him places that he shouldn't be brought to, which is everywhere. Um, <laughs> he allowed himself to be startled by a tiny piece of paper on the floor. He leaped into the air, all four feet leaving the ground, and his tail puffed into the shape of a bottle brush. And then he hurtled himself out of the room. Actual cat shenanigans. I love it. <laughs> yes. Extremely relatable. I like how we took a break in the middle of Marianne's, like morose musings to have some like cat shenanigans it's great I, this is this is the the kind of rhythm i want in a book <laughs> yes give him breaks so yeah next chapter she tells us in more detail about her friends um dawn eats tofu uh she is sick of dawn insisting that carob is just as good as chocolate um <laughs> i'm with marianne on this that was a very funny line. <laughs> I, I've never had carob, but I've listened to the maintenance face. <laughs> it tastes like ass. It's terrible. By the way, if Dawn tells me one more time that carob is just as good as chocolate, I will make her take a taste test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Dawn couldn't possibly think that. She's just like flexing. Yeah, um, definitely. Apparently Dawn doesn't care about the actual taste of food. Um, for her, food is more of a philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Her her food is nothing but virtue signaling. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a more charitable spin that you could put on it, but there isn't really... <laughs> I, I just, I've never known anyone like this. No. Like, that actually was more interested in, like, just the health for health's sake and had no interest in 
just you know i know a lot of people are like i'm oh i'm trying to eat healthy but man i'd love a donut right now or do you know that kind of thing that's relatable i did there wasn't like a health and safety officer in a job that i worked in um there wasn't a lot of health and safety involved in the office part of it which i was in but we had there was people that went out and fixed antennas and stuff and she also health and safety officer criticized people's lunch choices all the time the nosy fucker wow Oh, yeah, no, like, she would be like, oh, you know, that's really bad for you, you know what's in that. And I had, like, a bit of bottle of coke with my lunch and stuff. Like, and I'd just be like, huh? You're yes. not my dentist. I like, live in a society, I do know what's in coke. Thanks. Yes, I am an adult who can read. I know that coke is not healthy. I mean, what? What did she expect? That <laughs> I'd be like, what? It's bad for you? Oh, crap, no one ever mentioned that before. I thought it was, like, you know. Oh goodness! As opposed to sugar, <laughs> obviously. I think, to be honest, I think I just went, yeah. <laughs> I kept drinking it. Like, what can you do? Like, just oh, drink it's bad for you. No shit. Take a long swig, like you're in a coke ad, and just maintain eye contact the whole time. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having more sugar in this mouthful than you've had all year. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Marianne is, yes, she's doing some historical revisionism on the breakup with Logan. Um, she She's telling us about all his good points. He knew what made her nervous and he didn't try to change her. He accepted her for the scaredy cat that she is. Um, he's not bad to look at. He looks just like Cam Geary. He has long legs and blondish brown hair. I think that's the most physical description of Logan we've ever had. He's literally yeah. just been a boy-shaped void up to now. <laughs> oh, can I jump in here also and flag, um, Logan is also very patient. I think this is because he has a younger sister and brother, Carrie and Hunter, whom he takes care of pretty often. Carrie is ten and Hunter is five. They're both really cute. Carrie is a fucking catnapper. <laughs> Do we recall this? <laughs> Carrie stole the thing you loved most in this world, Marianne. Like, <laughs> she kept Tigger hostage. Uh, while also kind of poisoning her younger brother who is very very allergic to cats by having the cat in the house at the same time do you not remember this does nobody remember this has this happened at the time in the book or is this a... it has absolutely happened no 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 this definitely happened I had forgotten this but yeah this is Marianne and the search for Tigger you're right Kerry was really unrepentant as well Kerry is kind of a bit alarming as a child she's like oh she's so cute like yeah but uh <laughs> and then her parents rewarded her with a pet of her very own <laughs> yeah for all that irresponsible um kidnapping that she did <laughs> um so yeah definitely historical revisionism 100 <laughs> percent. yes marianne is is viewing the entire bruno family through rose-tinted glasses here mm -hmm. yeah. she tells us about christie's family um she tells us that Watson's mansion is so big that everyone who lives there has his or her own bedroom. Well, except for Watson and Christie's mother. They share a room. <laughs> this cracked me up. <laughs> well, you gotta be you gotta be specific. I read this section actually, um, and she says, Oh, and you should hear who lives in the mansion now. Apart from Christie and her family and Watson, there are Kamali and <clears throat> there are Karen and Andrew Brewer, Emily Michelle and Nanny. So she goes through just every person who has joined the family. And it was like, oh my God, this is the first time it's occurred to me that Watson has had the biggest change of any of these people. <laughs> he goes from being in a two parents, two children 
family um he gets divorced and presumably he's like a bachelor for a while and his kids don't live with him full time so he's just knocking around this mansion and then it just gets full with this <laughs> extended blended family um no wonder he's got three toaster ovens he's probably like, that's true how am i gonna make enough toast or whatever goes in these ovens to feed all these people that are now coming to live in my house <laughs> it's just a constant hot pocket assembly line <laughs> what if I marry a nice woman and she has three children and then we adopt a baby and then her mother comes to live with us as well what am I going to (laughs) do she has four children and then they adopt to be honest I can actually see Watson as being one of those people who's happier the more people are in his house yeah I think we can conclude that he'd have to be like (laughs) otherwise that would not have worked out (laughs) so yeah she tells us all about her friends what they were the fact that she feels terrible for Stacy's tragic life and she feels that the solution would be if Stacy got a pet. Oh god. <laughs> she tells us that Claudia and Jean don't have any pets. And yes, how many holes everyone has pierced in their ears. Mm-hmm. And she sighs, with so many friends, how was it possible to feel down in the dumps? I wasn't sure. Because she needs a man and her life is not complete without a man. Specifically mm-hmm. Logan Bruno. She is the fish without a bicycle. That's it. <laughs> She's a fish fountain without a bicycle. <laughs> she is a mixed metaphor. <laughs> yes, she is. She's at the uh, the Corman's house and feeding them hot dogs because apparently it's always hot dogs for dinner when the Cormans have a babysitter <laughs> and the Corman kids have so many hot dogs in this book. Uh, it's I'm a little strange. worried. <laughs> It's a really random t- detail. Like, it's not plot relevant or anything. They're just constantly eating hot dogs. I think that's just meant to be a little slice of life thing. Like, hot dogs are really easy to cook, so that's what they have when there is mainstream. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just kind of funny. It, it is very hot dog heavy. <laughs> the Cormans are introduced. They're much nicer than the Delaney's. Um, uh, but the Bill and Melody, the older two Corman kids, are afraid of their new house because. Uh, it's very big and it has too many like closets and corners and dark places and they're afraid of like the monsters that might be lurking there also their toddler sister has a morbid fear of cats Mm. which again is just kind of a random detail um i'm surprised that marianne doesn't take this more personally uh, I was kind of <laughs> anticipating her like bringing Tigger over and being like now Skylar let me just lock you in the room with Tigger for an hour and you'll be the best of friends don't worry you guys <laughs> she'll be fine she'll love cats when she comes out <laughs> that's how that works <laughs> yep oh. uh, at least they're not on a parade float together oh god <laughs> oh. the important thing is they didn't bring Tigger on the parade float um or dress the children in evening wear. We're just haunted by our vision of how that could have turned out. <laughs> it was kind of bad enough without him. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. <laughs> so anyway, the kids are joking about monsters that might be in the house, such as the oven monster and the swimming pool monster. Uh, Marianne is concerned that they're laughing so hard they might throw up, so she tries to calm them down. <laughs> Nobody wants to see hot dogs being thrown up. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. That would be very unpleasant. <laughs> that's terrible. Um, but then they, the kids are getting ready for bed, and when they flush the toilet, uh, the tank makes a weird growling noise. And uh, Melody, first of all, makes a joke about that there might be a toilet monster. 
But then she worries that she's like manifested the toilet monster by like naming him and has brought him into reality. Um, which like, whomst among us? Yeah, it's more realistic than many of the other things people think they're going to manifest. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Why There's not a toilet monster? Some evidence for the toilet monster in the shape of the noise that the toilet makes. <laughs> Very true. If there isn't a monster, then why does it growl? QED. QED. <laughs> Checkmate atheists. Okay, I think um I think we've just put a whole other spin on this book now, to be quite honest. This is gonna be a very <laughs> different experience. <laughs> we've concluded that the toilet monster actually exists. <laughs> I mean Yeah, that's a good point. We need to go into this with an open mind. Marianne assumes the toilet monster doesn't exist, but maybe Marianne is um the unreliable narrator. Um Yeah. I thought you were going to say maybe Marianne is in the pocket big toilet. <laughs> <laughs> These could be both true or either true. You know, I think it's it's important to, as Esther says, going with an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> Just asking questions, you guys. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's consider the further evidence for the toilet monster in the form of the rest of this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's the end of the chapter. But... <laughs> Marianne warns the other members of the Babysitter's Club about the toilet monster because even if she's not being honest with us she doesn't want her friends to get eaten by the toilet monster and then she'd have that on her conscience Yeah, She tells us the history of the Babysitter's Club hilariously says that this all started back when they were 12 and she and Christy thought their lives would go on unchanged forever or at least until college (laughs) Oh honey, oh honey (laughs) Bless You're never going to college Uh, so she tells us all the stuff about the club and how the club works. There's nothing new here. Jessie is, uh, leaning into her new personality trait of telling terrible dad jokes. (laughs) Um, Claudia is, like, weirdly, like, spaced out and having some kind of traumatic flashback. (laughs) And Stacey is like, Claude, are you okay? You look, you look like you're having a nightmare. At this hour, replied Claude. Oh, okay, a daymare. And then, like, it never comes up again, and I have no idea, like... Yeah. Was this just a very laboured joke, or is this foreshadowing for, like, several books down the line when Claudia has a psychological breakdown? I don't know. (laughs) I don't remember that. Um, (laughs) Maybe she's just... uh, Maybe there's something going on in the Karen books that is not being fully accounted for here? Um, Yeah. Who knows? We'll we'll keep an eye out for... um, Yeah whatever is up with Claudia. So just this, the end of this is amazing because like, usually we know how much this section drags. There's the draggy bit about like all the friends and then there's the draggy bit about how the the club works. Um, And then <clears throat> she's worked her way through, you know, Christy, Stacy, Claudia, everybody. Uh, and then she gets to the end and she says, oh yeah, so if none of us is available to sit, then we phone Christy's friend, Shannon Kilburn to see if she's available. Or we phone Logan. That's right. Our other associate member is none other than Logan Bruno. Sigh. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Cut to the next section. And like, she has managed to introduce some pacing into this. <laughs> I am amazed. This has never happened before. Astonishing. She's tied it back to the theme. Like, this is, yeah, there is there is skill being demonstrated here that we haven't really seen um, at any stage. <laughs> Maybe... 
and like took a break because I think the last couple were ghost written so maybe she's like coming back fresh and she's like yeah I'm gonna bust out my craft (laughs) maybe she did a writing course with a fancy New York (laughs) writing teacher (laughs) (laughs) who made her write the cat sat on the mat like a hundred times a day and then criticised her because it wasn't good enough. (laughs) (laughs) And then she invented modernism. (laughs) That's definitely what happened. So next chapter, uh, Marianne is railing against the concept of school uh, because she's going to have to do this group project. And (laughs) (laughs) there's a specific thing I don't want to do in school. um, So I'm, uh, I think that education needs to be reformed in its entirety. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be homeschooled by my dad because that would be more fun. Mm. Richard Spear would be the least crack homeschooler ever. (laughs) Dad, why do I have to learn about the tax code? This is very important information, Marianne. (laughs) I thought homeschooling was mostly baking. No, it isn't. (laughs) Now, when you've finished reading these five ledgers, we can go out and play some golf. (laughs) I like your Richard voice. (laughs) So she reflects that all she really wants is to be paired up with the rest of the babysitters club for the project, but that she has as much chance of that happening as she does of winning the lottery. Then she remembers that they totally did win the lottery one time because that was how they funded their trip to California. And then she decides that... uh, lightning doesn't strike twice so she's not going to get that lucky again so the lottery was her one like her one blinding moment of luck in her life and now she's doomed my note on lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place is unless you're a park ranger marianne (laughs) (laughs) those guys get hit by lightning all the time (laughs) ah but are they in the same place when it happens oh Mm. okay you guys go on with the podcast without me i need to think this over for a few minutes (laughs) It's a real philosophical puzzle. <laughs> Can you get struck by the same lightning twice? <laughs> well, it's also lightning frequently does strike in the same place twice. Yeah. What do you think lightning rods are? Yeah. Places where lightning strikes repeatedly. I'll bet a park ranger has been struck twice in the same location and the second time they were like, God damn it, why am I here again? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I thought this didn't happen. Marianne told me this didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, Marianne's theories of causality are not holding up here. Um, she's fretting at dawn about whether she ends up in a group with Koki, the meanest person in the world, Alan Gray, the dork of the universe. It's a pretty cool title. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be a dork, you might as well be, you know, the, the a, dork of the universe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's good at what he does, you know? Um... Dawn is being very zen and tells her to just let things unfold as they will and that maybe this will build character. And Marianne sarcastically says, yes, mother, which is a weird thing to say when your mother is dead. And this is your stepsister that you're talking to. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I I honestly have to say that, yeah, has anyone ever actually been told seriously about another human being something will build character? I associate it pretty much exclusively with, like, Victorian era children's books and like sort of early 20th century kid lit. Like definitely not meaning like definitely not in a way that means I think this will actually help you build character. I have contemplated saying to my children when they are refusing to do like the most ridiculously small tasks and also things that I know they will actually enjoy once they put their fucking shoes on and get out the door to do them. (laughs) Um, Like, 
I at that point I'm just like I don't care <laughs> but it's kind of rude to tell your child I don't give a shit what you're saying to me <laughs> put the shoes on <laughs> when we've been there for 40 minutes and it's time to go you're going to complain so <laughs> what I actually want you to do is just be quiet and like do the thing that I'm asking you to do so basically when you say it'll build character it's more like just get out <laughs> I mean I think that it is always what that means I, the yeah. one time I can think of that I was told that something would build character it was definitely like you doing this thing that I don't want to do for you will build character because I don't want to do this thing for you <laughs> right. I don't have enough character <laughs> yeah 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 no, that makes sense <sighs> um at lunchtime they're all um having lunch together uh Christy is making fun of the brown goop that is their lunch um Claudia identifies the lunch as beef bourguignon and Don <laughs> makes fun of her for not pronouncing it beef bourguignon she is definitely also pronouncing it wrong definitely like 100 percent. yeah then they talk about the popular ya authors that they're hoping to study which is literally just Anne reeling off a bunch of recommendations uh including Paula Danziger who she like co-wrote books with this is just nepotism yeah. and she co-wrote any books with Paula Danziger at the time no I don't think so maybe this maybe Paula Danziger read this and, was like, <gasps> and reached out to her yeah maybe Anne sent her an inscribed copy like to Paula <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoy the book <laughs> Let me know if you have any feedback and maybe we can work on something together sometime. Love, Anne. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. I can accept, accept it. <laughs> also hilariously, Claudia hopes that they might get to study Danielle Steele or Stephen King. It's like, I'm just picturing like, yeah, now kids, I want you all to read it for school. <laughs> I will say our school library had a very large number of romance novels and also a huge selection of Stephen King. Yes. Which I was like, do they know these books are here? I spent so much time in the library because um, I didn't have to take Irish. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I had an exemption. So I was just like in the library for those time periods. And they gave us all printouts. Did I tell you of this? Of all the books that we had borrowed from the library when we left school. Oh, this cool. was a kind of a shock <laughs> to a lot of people's <laughs> sisters, I think. But they gave me like six pages. And I was like, whoa, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, guess <I'm, laughs> I guess I spent a lot of time in here and I borrowed a lot of books. But um, yeah, I, that, I got through a lot of the Stephen Kings. Um, uh, and, and also was like, there's just... You know, there would definitely have been Danielle Steele in there. Uh, I'm not sure how YA friendly they are, but like, on the other hand, young adults will fully read that. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Free access to it. <laughs> I, I would imagine your school will sort of say, hey, at least they're reading something. Uh, Very much, yeah. I, th I think also there was a strong element of like people's parents would bring in a bag of books that they were getting rid of and they'd yeah. be like, cool, stick them on the shelves. Yeah, makes sense. Anyway, spoiler alert, nobody gets to read Bonk Busters for school in this. <laughs> and also, I love the implication that, like, Claudia is normally all about Nancy Drew, but actually she's pining for something with a big gold embossed cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Stephen King, of course. They worry about the idea of having to study... Uh, are you there god it's me margaret specifically with alan gray <laughs> this is the worst case scenario they can think of that's fair though especially with a girl in his group i mean there's brass stuff in that book like the brass stuff is incidental why why can i not mention periods 
are they banned from Scholastic? I'm like assuming. maybe, like it's wall to wall periods, <laughs> like and also some religious musings. Um, like yes, quite a lot of religious musings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just I don't. Mm. I am assuming period talk is banned from these books. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I think that's why we see so much like bra talk. It's like it's indexical of period stuff. Yeah. It's the closest uh... you can get to it. But like also. It's not the rudest thing in your Judy Bloom book either. Like, yeah. God no! <laughs> you guys have to. <laughs> you guys have to study. Um, oh God, what is the one with the sex? Um, <laughs> oh, forever! <laughs> you guys have to study forever. <laughs> um, pay special attention to the use of the term Ralph as a name for <laughs> the male protagonist's penis. Um, anyway, the. Kids are uh, told to go down to the school office where there's an incredibly convoluted list system uh, to announce who's in what group and what author they're studying. Um, I have zero faith in the school admin. Like, this is the worst possible way to display this information. Yes. Um, And Marianne finds out that she's studying Megan Reinhardt, who is an author who she absolutely loves. But she's studying her with Miranda Shilliber, Pete Black, and Logan. <gasps> Shockingly, even though like the theme of this novel is Logan and Marianne has been thinking about him constantly, it had never occurred to her that she might be put in a group with him. Yeah. Um, she bursts out crying and Don puts an arm across her shoulders and says, you'll manage. Which like <laughs> is probably what I would have said in that situation and like is pretty weak. But honestly, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, oh my god, so good. But yeah. No, yeah. I think I would have been like, but you know what, it's actually going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. I did, I just kept thinking of that scene in Juno where they have to dissect a frog and it's just like the most beautiful depiction of an awkward um, group project that you have to do in school because there's um, Juno and uh, her not actually boyfriend who has just knocked her up um, and uh, this other couple who are fighting <laughs> yeah. oh my god I forgot that scene <laughs> and they're all standing around and Juno and her like not her partner are kind of looking at each other um, and the other two are like rrr, rrr. And she says well I guess this frog isn't going to dissect itself <laughs> and I don't know if they've talked already about the fact that she's pregnant and it's just yeah uh, it's it's beautiful it's just beautifully realised uh, It's this is not quite as to that level of sort of I don't know excruciating yes uh, although there's some yeah there's some good terribleness when they actually <laughs> meet up it's pretty bad there's some excellent terribleness to be fair yeah <laughs> I wonder if um Anne was just kind of starting to get irritated with her characters the same way that we're sort of like ready to tell them to suck it up. Um, <laughs> you know, last time we had uh, some very explicit humiliation going on with the baby parade. We're just like, this is going to be terrible and everybody will feel bad. Yeah. Um, and now we have something not quite the same, but similar going on. Yeah, I think maybe she's enjoying tormenting them a little bit. Mm. Next chapter, Dawn is babysitting the Corman kids again. Um, hot dogs for everyone. Um, <laughs> the kids are playing and talking about monsters. Melody says that the closet monster, uh, is 
thwarting her in her attempts to get Parcheesi off the shelf. Um, I googled what Parcheesi is because the only thing I knew about Parcheesi was it's mentioned in um, Half Magic by Edward Eager, which was one of my favourite books growing up. And there's a line about um, the kids playing Parcheesi with their mom until she gets tired of Parcheesi, as mothers always do. (laughs) (laughs) But I looked it up and it's basically Ludo. And I'm like, yeah, fair. Um, (laughs) Adults will get tired of that. Hell yes. (laughs) Oh, did you notice in this chapter, the robot babies are back? Yep. (laughs) Skylar is a robot baby. Dawn settled her in a room, wound up her musical cow, patted her back, turned off the light, and tiptoed out of the room. Yep. Yeah, like tiptoeing is gonna do anything that, when the kid is like, Where are you going? Like, <laughs> I'm assuming that it was patted her back until she fell asleep, maybe. But oh, Well, this sounds like she did a Richard Spear pat on the back. <laughs> pat, pat, pat. Okay, I'm leaving. And then she leaves the room and instantly says that Skylar is almost asleep and we're not buying it. No. So Dawn takes Bill and Melody around the house on a monster hunt, um, which mostly works fine for settling their fear of monsters until they get to the bathroom and encounter the toilet monster. The real monster. Yeah. Like, And understandably, the kids are still afraid because it's a real toilet monster. I just... um. Yeah, it's 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 hard to understand Dawn's reasoning in this scene um, because really if you're trying to convince the children that monsters don't exist, you should avoid the toilet. Um, probably what she should do is dig a latrine in the backyard so that they can avoid <laughs> using the, actual, the house's actual plumbing. Um, if she's really determined to kind of lie to them in this manner um, about the nature of reality. Yeah, like I think this kind of gaslighting is only going to like cause for bigger problems down the line yeah it's it's some it's some pretty poor babysitting it is Mm. it is and it's not like the narrative never really challenges it as much as we would like to see because like yeah toilet monsters are serious business you guys Mm. i mean the number of children every year who are like you know tragically devoured by toilet monsters is almost as many as the number who are um, found in basement pizza parlors. Like, you know, it's really endemic. <laughs> um, and the number that are sold on Wayfair, like, it's just, um, they're they're all part of the same. The <laughs> <laughs> toilet monster is also a pedo. <laughs> and it has a Wayfair account. <laughs> it's a rich tapestry. <laughs> this is really hard to keep up. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> No, we're going to do it. We're sticking to it. Okay. <laughs> I'm very impressed. So anyway, the kids are still understandably and justifiably terrified of the very real threat that is the toilet monster. Um, and Dawn decides that this isn't her problem and leaves the kids in the care of their parents. At the end. I mean, she's kind of right. Yeah, I do think the I whole mean, yeah, monster hunt thing was just, yeah into it a bit too much well i think she was just trying to like pass the time with them because the parcheesi set got all fucked up (laughs) (laughs) anyway then dawn gets home and marianne is still fretting about the english assignment um and she says that uh logan and i logan and marianne both love the books of megan reinhardt um, but you know, so they're going to want to give this project their best shot, but they can hardly stand to look at each other. 
Marianne, uh, yet again, is praying for the sweet release of death and hoping that tomorrow will never come. (laughs) (laughs) I actually really... This is Anne's craft again. It's like, chapter six ends with my side. Maybe the next day would never come. Chapter seven. (laughs) Well, of course the next day came. What had I expected? (laughs) (laughs) I laughed, I have to admit. I did. That gave me a little giggle. Yep. Uh, Yeah, also this... um, how could the administration of Stony Brook Middle School do this to me? They owed me something. A Ferrari, maybe. At the very least, a good grade. <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel about room work. Yeah. Definitely. Marianne is, like, sassier than usual in this, and I like it. Yes. Um. So the kids are, like, all sent to the cafeteria to, like, mill around as chaotically as possible and then assemble in their groups. Um, nothing about how this project is run makes sense um, and like it just doesn't do to think about it too much <laughs> so she and Logan uh, very awkwardly find each other in the cafeteria Pete Black turns up and a furious Miranda Shillaber because in the seventh grade Pete Black snapped her bra strap and it broke and there was embarrassment so um, she's not happy about being in a group with Pete <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this actually would have been unbelievably humiliating. If I was Miranda, I would have changed schools or murdered Pete. Like, those are your two (laughs) options. Why Um, not both? The brass lid down around her waist. She had to go to the girls' room to remove it, and then she had to carry it around in her purse all day. Like, Christ. I know, like, he probably didn't intend quite that degree of consequence, but, like, that is something that Marianne recalls in full detail, every part of it, a year later. Yeah. Um, probably sympathetically, but, you know. <laughs> Miranda is going to remember that for the rest of her life. Like, that is the high-octane embarrassment fuel. Hopefully Pete will remember it as well. I hope Pete has not done that <laughs> since. <laughs> I hope he apologises at the 20-year reunion. <laughs> Yes. But uh, the world will have changed slightly at that point. (laughs) Yes. He does some personal growth in this particular book, which I was impressed by. Um, (laughs) Maybe the fact that somebody, spoiler alert, gets herself removed from the group so she doesn't have to work with him is like... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe at least to some self-examination, yeah. So, yeah, they're all very uncomfortable. Um, They try to sit down at a table together. Um, Everyone stresses over the seating arrangement um marianne and logan make eye contact it's very stressful for everyone concerned um then their english teacher mr lehrer turns up with koki mason koki mason has said that she's a gigantic megan reinhardt fan and she really really wants to study megan reinhardt so he's transferring them into uh he's transferring her into their group Marianne immediately sees through this because she knows that Koki has no interest in Megan Reinhardt and just wants to be in a group with Logan. So Miranda Shillaber jumps at the opportunity to switch places with Koki, so she goes off to study Natalie Babich. And then Marianne says, uh, could this possibly be happening? Miranda was going to desert me and leave me to deal with Koki and Logan. I thought of the Wicked Witch of the West in the movie The Wizard of Oz. Oh, what a world, what a world, she had murmured as she died. <laughs> Those were her last words. Now I understood what they meant. <laughs> oh, I love this. I love the drama. So, yeah, Koki is um, hamming it up and saying, Marianne, what a pleasant surprise to find you in this group. And Logan. Um, Pete is like, Ugh. 
<laughs> hate everything. <laughs> Actually, he seems to be responding to, Logan smiled. What are we waiting for? He said, let's get to work. Oh, barf, said Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so what part is it? Is it Koki or Logan wanting to work that you object to here, Pete? <laughs> I think it's both. I think it's everything. <laughs> I think, like, he's picked up their awkward, weird vibes in the rest of this group. <laughs> I like how he articulates them just as through the word barf. <laughs> this is how I feel about every last one of you. <laughs> Fair. Anyway, he also needs to then um, clarify that his position is one of toxic masculinity because um, the books are for girls. Uh, they start talking about the actual books and he says, I haven't read any of them. They're for girls. Um, and Pete, uh, Logan is like, Pete, I just said that I read them. Uh, and he said, you've read that one that has something about pink prom dresses in the title? I haven't read every one of them. But you did read the prom dresses one, though, Logan, is what I'm taking away from this. You haven't categorically denied it, so. Mm, um, definitely. Anyway, yeah, apparently Megan Reinhardt is a female writer and that poses difficulties um, in terms of the gender dynamics here. Because as a male, you have to toe this line between doing some actual fucking work and um, not and acknowledging not acknowledging that you have read the ones that might be threatening towards your self-presentation yeah. as a guy who, like, breaks women's undergarments publicly. <laughs> <laughs> or, in Logan's case, I guess, um, gets to just flirt with both the women in the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of indiscriminately, because he's just, like, a player. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it'll bite him in the ass. <laughs> thankfully <laughs> so yes Marianne has instantly fallen back in love with Logan uh, because he flashed the briefest of smiles at her and she's powerless to resist the memory of five pounds of candy uh, <laughs> Koki has forgotten Megan Reinhardt's name <laughs> she, she then stares so fixedly at Logan that it looks like she's trying to hypnotise him and Marianne expects his eyes to turn into swirling spirals like in a cartoon which absolutely cracked me up Pete actually has like useful questions about like what structure is this project going to take um mm -hmm. nobody else is really here for it right now because uh Koki and Marianne are just both here to try and like get Logan's attention and Logan is sort of befuddled by the whole thing <laughs> um Koki touches Logan's elbow ever so slightly and Marianne is filled with the homicidal rage it is such a perfect mixture of like romantic rivalry and I've got to get a fucking grade on this project <laughs> and I can already see that you are going to be just the weakest possible link. You're going to be actively <laughs> detrimental to the project, um, which she is. To both the project and Marianne's love life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Marianne is going to have to snatch her A grade from the jaws of Koki Mason. <laughs> the jaws of incompetence <laughs> and in this one like she really does prioritize the schoolwork over the romantic turmoil which i think is a uh, really really impressive it's and... one of my favorite things about this book yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it, it that this above anything else we've seen any of these babysitter books is like something that people should probably try to emulate and probably can't <laughs> it's probably not realistic yeah no. yeah no, but like, yeah, Marianne really just wants to get a good grade on this project. And like, I am so happy with that being the actual stakes of this. Yes. Yes. That evening at home, um, Marianne is stressing out and trying to do her work. And 
Dawn has some gossip from Grace Bloom, who is Koki, Koki Mason's best friend, uh, where Grace says that Koki doesn't care about any author, not even Megan Reinhardt. Dun, dun, dun. Marianne is kind of underwhelmed by this because she had already fully figured this out. No shit. She thinks her name is Mary Reinhardt. She said it twice. <laughs> in the recorded dialogue, Dawn. Not like the stuff that actually went in the book. <laughs> Not even the other stuff that happened during the hour, which I didn't bother writing down. Get with the program, Dawn. <laughs> Dawn says that uh, Koki just wants a shot at Logan now that he's available. Uh, at which point Marianne bristles. Available? Logan was available? Who had decided that? The dating god? He was not available. He was mine. Well, he was once, and I missed him and wanted him back. Marianne, he's available. He is available, and you decided that when you dumped him, Marianne. And he deserved to be dumped. Yes, but like, you definitely did the dumping. Yes. As we have already said, you should own that. Next chapter, Marianne is irately on the way to Koki's house. Um... She gives us some backstory on why she and Koki don't get on um, about their various feuds and various attempts at gaslighting and stalking um, <laughs> each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, Marianne and then Christy, because they, they did the Christy's yes. mystery admirer thing. Yeah, they did then set up an epic prank in a graveyard, um, which is really very flattering. You know, if my if my enemies <laughs> planned that for me, I'd be like... You guys. <laughs> I I really got into your head, didn't I? Yeah, red free, etc. Koki has insisted that the meeting should be at her house, basically as an excuse to get Logan into her house. <laughs> Koki had decided our second group meeting would be held at her house, assuming the rest of us would go along with her idea, which we did. I am such a wimp. <laughs> like there's some nice um self knowledge there. <laughs> so yes, she's furious. Uh Koki is witheringly disappointed when Marianne rings the bell and it's just Marianne at the door. <laughs> Man, Koki, have some subtlety. Like, Jesus, it's just so, like, you know, it would be so much more, you would be so much more of an effective antagonist. You could really, like, piss Marianne off as well as, like, getting Logan's attention by being just a little bit cooler here and not being like, oh, it's you, Marianne. Like, <laughs> Logan, it's so nice to see you. Like, God, like, have just tone it down slightly. What the rules of the game, Cookie? <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, like, she's a thirteen-year-old with a crush. Those are not known for their like subtle master manipulations. Like, they... I don't know. Yeah, my my view of like how you behaved when you were a thirteen-year-old with a crush is that you took it to your grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... you were a lot more discreet than some of us, though. <laughs> I also didn't have any boyfriends when I was 13 for probably <laughs> the same reason, because they had no idea. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should have taken... Anyway, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, insisting that everyone comes around to your house for the group project just so that you can technically say that your crush has been in your house. I'm embarrassed at how relatable that is for, for teenage me. Like, that is... Okay. 100% something I would have done. How are you going to use that information? Be like, guess who was at my house yesterday? Like, yeah, it was your crush. I was there as well. We had to print up a fucking calendar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And just for like general feeling smug purposes, you know? <laughs> the first step to seduction is getting them to come over to your house as part of a group project. <laughs> 
<laughs> life advice from Esther. <laughs> you can add that to the therapy and the antihistamines. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, she lets Marianne in. Marianne is shocked that, like, their house is nice, unlike Koki. <laughs> She's like, this house is pleasant and comfortable and cozy. Koki doesn't fit here at all. <laughs> so withering. This was the first time I'd been at Koki's. I'm not sure what I expected. Maybe rooms that were as cold as Koki herself. <laughs> I was picturing, like, Kim Kardashian's mausoleum of a house. Like, <laughs> where it's like, this used to be a museum. Uh, and then we bought it, but we took out all the fittings. <laughs> so that my children could just really appreciate the starkness of the concrete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just made that up but that was kind of what the house tour was like I vaguely remember it um, but no the, ha- the Mason's house was the kind of person could feel comfortable in they have clutter <laughs> they have a tablecloth <laughs> I know and magazines boxes of food jars of jelly it was a farmhouse kitchen imagine having food in a kitchen you guys <laughs> <laughs> I know they're so relatable they're just like us <laughs> I think it's probably having food like out and like visible on the worktop that isn't a bowl of fruit because I would imagine that Richard Spear puts all of the food away in the cupboards and there isn't a thing out on the worktop. <laughs> because my mother does that. <laughs> there is no jars and boxes of food out in our worktops ever in this house. Which means you forget that everything exists all the time. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, that is not an ADHD friendly way to organise. It is not. Uh, that's my philosophy. If I put it in a drawer, I will forget it exists. So yeah, yeah we have a lot of food out. <laughs> then Pete comes to the door and Koki is equally disappointed by the arrival of Pete. Um, <laughs> she is shameless. Then Logan turns up and Koki like links arms and walks him into the kitchen and offers him a drink. Um, and Pete is like sternly trying to get a soda out of her (laughs) oh just water replied Logan I'll have a soda said Pete who hadn't been offered a thing (laughs) good for Pete I actually grew to really respect Pete throughout this book (laughs) yes Pete is at least yeah he's trying he's not perfect but he's trying um also there's that's a bit of an assumption that people will will have soda not that we disprove of soda but it just might not be present (laughs) also who asks for a soda people should care what flavor these things are yeah yeah it's kind of depraved to like not care if you're getting like a coke or a fanta there's an absolute (laughs) gulf there you're getting a fanta lemon and you're gonna like it I have a real bee in my bonnet about these kind of things where you don't specify the flavour. Like, you know, when you're in hospital and you take the box for what you want for your meals mm-hmm. and they have a like ticky box for yogurt, but like... What if it's strawberry? What if it's natural? <laughs> I like some flavours of yogurt. They can't just give me a yogurt. It has to be a strawberry yogurt because they're not going to have the other flavours. I like it's too fancy. But like, people don't like yogurt they like specific flavors of yogurt yeah Ugh. Ugh. you need a better hospital <laughs> most hospitals have taken boxes like that the irish healthcare system needs to be just reformed yeah, I don't <laughs> a lot starting with the ticky boxes <laughs> starting with the ticky boxes for yogurt a yogurt first program of reform <laughs> Oh god, don't say things like that. Oh yeah, and I have a horrible feeling that there is also like sandwich. Sandwich. Oh my god, that could be anything. <laughs> That's a structure, not a food. That's like saying, Do you want pizza? Like, that could be anything. <laughs> I know, it's like, yes, if it's barbecue, they're like, some pizzas have barbecue sauce on them. I don't want one of those. Ah. <laughs> 
Sorry, the cat just came in the window over my shoulder and I didn't know he was out on the window ledge at all. I have no idea how long he's been out there. Oh, I saw him go out there earlier. I thought he was in his basket this whole time. I no. think he just did bleh up on the, the window ledge there. So I only smelled him as well. <laughs> as in he jumped or he threw up? Uh, no, I think he just jumped. No, I don't think you have to clean up cat sick. Well, if you do, you'll know about it, I imagine. <laughs> no, it, it, he sounds like the bellows that stoke the fire of hell when he throws up. I definitely would have heard that. <laughs> what a good description. It's very troubling. I've learned if there's any kind of repetitive noise that I cannot possibly identify what it is. I'm like, what the fuck is that? It's usually him throwing up. Oh, okay. Yeah, the kind of the, the knocking noise. Like... Yeah, it sounds like a machine that's gotten stuck. <laughs> I heard a knocking and I thought perhaps it was a ghost. And then I was like, oh God, no, it's a cat. It's the cat cat throwing up. Oh God, why isn't it a ghost? <laughs> I don't have to clean up after those. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, Koki has served drinks um, and is now uh, attempting to conduct... Uh, school work or put on the semblance of doing so while almost sitting in Logan's lap <laughs> yes um, she they talk about Megan Reinhardt and about which books of hers they should read for the project um, Marianne suggests that they pick four and compare and contrast them uh, Pete Black says that he guesses he could manage to read four books Koki stares into space and says, I read four books once. Four little books. The Tale of Peter Rabbit, The Tale of Squirrel Nutkin, The Tale of Benjamin Bunny, and The Tale of Mrs. Tiggywinkle. I was ten years old. It only took me a week. <laughs> Koki is being deeply weird. And Marianne reflects that this is the kind of thing Christy would say as a joke, but uh, Koki does not seem to be joking here. <laughs> then Koki suggests that um, they don't all need to get their own copies of the Megan Reinhardt books because actually what they should do is just get one copy and read them to each other <laughs> in a sexy and romantic fashion. <laughs> we could read aloud to each other, she added, gazing at Logan. Yes, that's always been my dream, said Pete, to read aloud to Logan. <laughs> That would be so funny. Like, okay, right, we're having a reading aloud session. You you girls, <laughs> girls versus boys. <laughs> Koki and Marianne, you're reading to each other again. So they they pick one of Megan Reinhardt's humorous books, one of her serious books, one of her mysteries, and one of her collections of short stories. Didn't she write any picture books, when Koki? Koki, we are studying books written for young adults, I informed her. I don't think Babar counts. Megan Reinhardt wrote Babar? exclaimed Koki. I, I feel like this, at this point, like, it's just hammy how Koki is, like, sort of embarrassing herself in the pursuit of... It's... I suppose it makes most sense if you think of, like, Marianne storming home and telling Dawn about how terrible Koki was. <laughs> like, it, well, much... yeah, it's also possible that Marianne is being an unreliable narrator, but... Um... Uh, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> like She just basically said she had never read a book in her whole life, you know, ever. To the point of 13-year-olds acting performatively stupid because uh, they think it will attract male attention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it happen. <laughs> I actually think that Logan's reaction to this is pretty accurate. He seems very, like he's like mildly flattered and a little bit scared. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, kind of like, I 
understand you're trying to do a thing here and that's cool. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but imagine somebody like just flirting with you, like no holds barred with your furious ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and some rando guy also. Who's also kind of mad, like, but, but you know your ex-girlfriend, you're like, oh my God, Marianne will kill me if I, if she gets a B on this assignment. <laughs> and it's my fault. <laughs> She already broke up with me. <laughs> the only escalation path left to her is murder. Yes, we've already talked about this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, on the way out, Marianne overhears um, Koki asking Logan out and she flees before she can hear his answer. Next chapter, uh, Claudia is looking after the Cormans. Um... There's hot dogs. There's a toilet monster. <laughs> Claudia says that actually having hot dogs for dinner is mandatory. It's rule number 116 in the babysitter's handbook in the section <laughs> titled Hot Dog Laws. <laughs> it's like the rules of acquisition from uh, yeah. <laughs> Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, which I'm pretty sure they just make up as they go along. Um, very similar. They also consider the um, potential pronouns of the toilet monster for a while, which is, it's good to see them um, putting that level of attention in. Diversity and monster representation, it's so important. It's, you just don't actually see that much of it. So yeah, it's its quite nice to see it even in 1991, I guess. Um, yeah, toilet yeah. monster could be a girl boss. <laughs> well, there's definitely gaslighting, so there should also be girl <laughs> bossing. We'll just keep an eye out for the gatekeeping. <laughs> Skylar Corman is working very hard to learn to say cowabunga dude while nobody is mentioning by name either of the IPs that she might have gotten that phrase from. I know there's a second one it might be from. Oh yeah. Turtles or Simpsons? Simpsons Yeah. Yeah. The turtles exist in this um, universe. The Simpsons I think definitely do not. Um, I can't imagine Anne would approve. Stony Brook television sets do not get Simpsons. <laughs> Actually, you know, if it's a world where nobody gets Fox, there are worse places to live. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be too bad, would it? I mean, it would have ended up in a better state than <laughs> our timeline. Yeah. It's, it's probably still got some kind of half acceptable centrist government going on. Um, are they stuck in the Reagan era forever, though? No, who's. It's, it's Bush at this point. Anyway, yeah. um. Yeah, uh, they're nearly on Clinton, though. Um, well, we're never going to get Clinton. Um, they're uh, they're also never going to get into the good Simpsons, though. I think aren't they still extremely like Matt Groening looking? Yeah, <laughs> let's all go out for frosty chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> so she has learned to say Tawabumpa, which is pretty cute the first time. Yes, that being a very important modifier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's working on a catchphrase. Claudia is cleaning up the kitchen from, like, hot dog detritus, and she hears the toilet flushing <laughs> over and over again. It's a horrible phrase. <laughs> I know, I, I pretty much just said it to upset you, I'm sorry. <laughs> she's worried that Bill and Melody have stomach bugs, uh, but it turns out that they have discovered a way to placate the toilet monster and its rage. Uh, which is that if you flush the toilet and then you get all the way into your bed before the toilet stops flushing, 
the toilet monster won't eat you. I mean, that does work yeah. sometimes. If they've worked out some kind of system that, you know, if they've come to a, an agreement of type of some sort with the toilet monster, then that seems, you know, the, the main thing is that um, you have to work out what works for you and your family and your residence and your toilet monster. Exactly, yeah. I don't really get Claudia's attitude here. Like, she's being very sort of obstructive and just kind of refusing to kind of... Mm you know meet them where they're at on this and she just has her own idea about how this interaction should go and like i don't think it's great babysitting because she's just like really into this like toilet monster denialism Mm. that i think just isn't helpful yeah it's probably because um it's fox news or something (laughs) 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 sorry i lost the track there for a second uh Anyway, the kids freak out more about the toilet. Claudia freaks out more about insisting the toilet monster doesn't exist. Skylar starts flushing handfuls of Kleenex down the toilet. Claudia tells her that you shouldn't flush anything down the toilet, then wonders if this is going to cause a world of pain when they come to the toilet trainer, and then decides this is not her problem. And she's right. It's It's quite crucial to flush things down the toilet. It's, it's just, an extremely yes. important part of the whole process, yes. <laughs> yes, it would be very, very bad, and the toilet monster would be angry. I have, de- I have definitely heard as well, especially at potty training, that trying to incentivize any part of it can result in adverse um, outcomes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I used to give him a, a reward um, when he hadn't pooped in his nappy, and then I <laughs> found turds all over the house. <laughs> 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 anyway, yes, uh, we won't talk about potty training here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to think about potty training. It's not yet part of my life. It's going to be, and I have no idea how I'm supposed to do it. It helps a lot if you don't have an actual monster in your toilet um, whose views and opinions you then have to respect. Well, that's true, but you know, we don't all have that privilege <laughs> um, of a monster free no- toilet. Non monsteral privilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you are. Oh, of course, Aoife, of course, you're right. I'm, we can't yeah. all afford houses with monsters, okay? <laughs> Look at the neighborhood that these people live in. Fish fountain, monster. Toilet monster. It's a, it's a signifier of wealth. Yeah. Karen Brewer down the road. <laughs> Watson has three toilet monsters. <laughs> no, he has a ghost and three toaster ovens, Esther. Keep off. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry if I'm not au fait enough with this kind of elite culture. (laughs) Might as well eat my appetizer with the wrong fork. (laughs) Have we overdone this joke yet? (laughs) I think we we hit that point a while ago where it's Saito Bob stepping on rakes now. I hope we are. We'll we'll loop back around to a few people again real soon. Yeah. (laughs) I think that was it, in fact. But like... There's so much toilet monster discourse in this book. I know. <laughs> it's just every other chapter is like, oh my god, they're babysitting for the Cormans again. We're not invested in the Cormans, you guys. They're just some people that live next door to Christy. And they are having this ongoing fucking drama about the toilet monster, which like... This is absolute filler. <laughs> it's it's such filler. And it's half the book. The, and yeah. the other half of the book is quite good. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird that it gets so much screen time when, like, there's actually plenty going on in the A-plot that's actually, like, interesting and entertaining. And, yeah, like, 
well paced as well. It's just like, oh no, we're gonna go and like be pissed off about the kids like not going to bed on time again. Okay. <sighs> Chapter ten brings us back to the middle schoolers, thank God. Yes. Marianne is appalled to find that Logan did go out with Koki and they go out on a bunch of dates. Which she knows because Koki has a mouth the size of the Grand Canyon and has been telling everybody. She bumps into Logan in the hall at school um, and she asks Logan how he's doing on the uh, the reading for the project. And he says that um, mm-hmm. he's read everything except for the short story collection, but he'll get to it. And then they trail off into awkward silence. A TV show would just have like mined this scene so heavily oh, yeah. just the meaningful looks if this was Mulgrave's yes. Gully you guys like they, it would have just taken like 12 hours to set up the lighting for this <laughs> um, it's beautiful and it's kind of it's kind of wasted on a book to be honest <laughs> a little bit it just cut straight to the next um, yeah. uh, now Pete, Koki and I were sitting around at Pete's basement rec room yeah then we have some like possible innuendo um because koki is boasting about how she and logan went to see a screening of top hat with all this dancing in it um but when pete asks what what it was about she says you know i'm not sure logan and i weren't paying much attention yeah which like there's definitely implied making out here but also she says that logan kept trying to leave so that he could go home and read the books and she wouldn't let him (laughs) which is a hilarious cell phone like you you should not admit that that's how your date went (laughs) oh logan he's so studious isn't he great (laughs) he definitely wasn't trying to escape or anything (laughs) i mean yeah if you're on a date and the other person says that they need to go home and do homework like I think the only thing to do is fake your own death. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, you should let them go home gracefully because, you know, consent and stuff. But anyway, um, yeah. uh, So Marianne is like, speaking of our books, did you guys read them? (laughs) Uh, Pete has read all four of the books. And you know what? I liked them, especially the funny one. Uh, Oh, me too, agreed Koki quickly. That funny one was so funny. (laughs) <laughs> I liked this. Yeah, it was like, yeah, somebody, uh, I, I have been this person in the past, not for this reason, but, you know, um, just trying to be like, yes, I too have read the um, uh, document. <laughs> I too have read the reading. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, Marianne, like, traps her and says, oh yeah, I could read Louis Strikes Again over and over. So could I. Koki sighed as if deeply satisfied. And when Koki leaves the room, uh, Marianne says to Pete that um, the book they were reading is not Louis Strikes Again, and she has in fact caught Koki out as a dirty liar. Uh, Pete says to Marianne, otherwise that's Marianne being like, ha, I'm so clever, did you see what I did there? And the lad's being like, what? what? <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, sorry, you're right. <laughs> Pete catches her and she, he's like, what are you doing, Marianne? Yeah, <laughs> Um, I think, I actually think the same thing occurs in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> something very similar where like, um, uh, Caroline Bingley is like, oh, I'm reading your book too, Mr. Darcy. Oh, it's excellent. And you're like, why did you pick up in the middle? You're just reading a different volume of my novel. You're reading the second volume. That was it. Yeah. Which is just, no, no, nobody reads books like that. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose at least she can read, which is, you know, important. They're going, oh, how much I love reading. Let's get up and go for a walk. 
(laughs) (laughs) Just walk in circles around the room. Literally anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Logan shows up. Uh, Koki brags about um, all the stuff they've been doing. She says, my life has been a whirlwind lately. Logan and I have been so busy. And Pete's like, I guess that's why you haven't been able to do the reading. Good for Pete. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. I- I'm loving Pete's art here. <laughs> Pete's like, I read the books and I'm going to be just like extremely salty <laughs> about anybody who hasn't done the switches. I guess everybody except Marianne. Koki rambles about how they went to a concert Marianne is like, hmm, Logan and I never went to a concert. Nearly, we we nearly did once, but then I had to do a test the next day and it was on a school night, so I said we'd better not go and Logan said okay. Uh, <laughs> I was the worst girlfriend ever. <laughs> she also says, oh, we've been to two, no, three movies, plus all those games at school. Boy, are our teams doing well. And I was like, go local sports team. <laughs> Neither Koki nor Anna Martin knows what sport or team is playing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nor does Anne care. No. So then Pete, like, manfully is trying to keep this project on track. um, Because, like, yeah, he's the only one who doesn't have some kind of romantic drama going on. And he's like, so what are we actually going to write this project about? Uh, Like, we just read the books, but what are we meant to actually write? A good question. (laughs) Excellent question, Pete. This project clearly should have been explained more clearly to the children. Yeah, like this is at least their third meeting and they've been explicitly told they get no guidance after the first meeting. And yeah, yeah, they don't know how to do projects. So luckily, Pete, like... Fair, I'm blaming the the school for this one, though. Like, they're they're 15. This This is a daunting level of sort of organization and planning needed to do this project for a bunch of 13 year olds yes it's extremely vague you know actually the thing that i am reminded of is the um religion project that margaret is assigned in are you there god it's me margaret do you guys remember this um where it's it's individual i think maybe they have other people work they're working in a group with but they have to hand in their own thing and um there's a lot of excruciating things and are you there goddess me margaret but the most excruciating one is where she shows up on the last day and everybody else is handing in a ring binder with their project in it and she has a letter that she has written <laughs> describing what she, she and like she's actually done quite a lot of more kind of internal soul searching i think she's done a lot of thinking and stuff but i can't imagine she'd got a good grade on it and i was just like oh like (laughs) very difficult (laughs) um yeah i i it feels very like that as well it's like you're gonna do a big project good luck with that yeah um so pete suggests that they find out about megan reinhardt's life and then see if it relates to what she writes about and Marianne is totes on board with that and <laughs> Koki doesn't give a crap and Logan is just kind of dissociating at this point <laughs> and Marianne is appalled that Koki and Logan are going to a game tonight against something called Brick Township which Marianne doesn't know what or where any of this is. <laughs> I literally just googled that and it's in New Jersey which is a uh, I guess that's probably quite a big game if they're like it's interstate so yeah um, there there is a real place called brick township i was like that sounds made up (laughs) it 
sounds like a guy. It sounds like someone Don's mom would have dated between the trip man and Mr. Sh- and Mr. Spear. No, it sounds like um one of those uh manly man names that were made up for um, Mr. Science Theater. I'm yes. Brick Township. <laughs> it's actually a place in New Jersey. Uh Yes, they're, I guess they're playing a New Jersey team. Um, good for Stony Brook. So yeah, Marianne is like reflecting that she surprisingly plays that Pete exists and is actually participating <laughs> in the project. I don't wish he would burst into flames. This is this is great, you know. Yeah. This is nice. We're all growing as people. Two days before their projects are due in, uh, Marianne and Pete have been working flat out. Uh, Marianne is... Um, has decided that what she's doing is literary analysis and she loves thinking of herself as a literary analyst, which is mm-hmm. adorable. Um, she's extremely angry at Cokie and Logan um, yeah. because they have done nothing. Uh, Logan has not yet finished the research. Cokie has not begun the research. Uh, <laughs> she and Pete finally... Oh yeah, Logan and Cokie leave their next meeting to buy new CDs or something, says Marianne. <laughs> I love how their excuses are just getting worse and worse. <laughs> All my CDs are looking like old and kind of dingy. <laughs> yes. I need new ones. Buying new CDs is not how you write that. Like <laughs> that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to I need to refresh my supply. <laughs> Um, so Marianne and Pete realise that if they want to get a decent grade on this, they're going to just have to do Logan and Cokie's parts of the project for them. You know, there are times when the sooner you get that realisation, the better. Yeah. And the less work you will do, because like trying to fix somebody else's work is, <laughs> is worse. That they have actually done. Somebody else's crap work is less <laughs> yeah. work than doing it yourself. I never assigned group projects. Jesus Christ, they were so bad. Marianne and Pete um, agree that since they're doing all the work, um, they really should just stop consulting Logan and Cokie and just like exclude them from meetings from now on. And Marianne feels a little bit guilty about this. And Pete is like, no, come on, Logan sucks right now. So <laughs> heartlingly, Marianne agrees. Like, I'm quite impressed by how much spine she's showing here because like she still very much has a huge crush on him and wants him to be her boyfriend. But also she's being very clear-eyed about like he's a complete dud yes. academic-wise. I also like how there's no implication that Pete is in this for anything other than he he wants to do the work and he's discovered an, a, a love of Megan Reinhardt books. He never hits on Marianne. He's just like... He's all business. Let's get this shit done. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's really good that there's this whole the the motivations are very clear and it's it it would have been an annoying grey area if there was yes. any further. If um, he'd obviously yeah. had a thing for Marianne, it would be like mm. blah, blah, blah. or if he had developed one. I ended this book with like a great deal of respect for Pete Black and his journey. Yes. <laughs> I I don't think that was an intention of the way of the book from the start. I think it just there just had to be someone someone had to step up. Yeah. There is a hero to this book and it wasn't Logan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's just great to see someone like really pulling their weight in a group project. It's so rare. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mr. Kingbridge, the assistant principal, drops a bombshell. Marianne says, here's how unprepared I was for his announcement. If he had dropped a real bombshell, I wouldn't have been any more shocked. This is not one of the better verbal flourishes of this book, but I'll allow it. No, I bet you would have, though. I, I think you would have. So, 
they all have to go to the auditorium and Mr. Kingbridge announces that they, two days from now, um, they have got three of the authors that the kids have been studying to come and visit the school and the kids who studied these authors will have to like give their presentations in front of the authors. Um, and one of the authors obviously is Megan Reinhardt. I like, I know he meant well, but this is an absolutely horrifying thing to do to 13 year olds to be like this project that you thought you were handing in, in paper form, you actually have to give a presentation in front of your whole year and the person that the project is about. Like, also, you have two days notice about this. I would simply fake sickness. Like, that. that is awful. There's no reason to do this at all. No. Um, so if you, you could have finagled this by saying, we managed to get Megan Reinhardt, but she can only be here two days from now. Yes. Um, that know, makes so that much more sense. But like, we got three of them. They're all available two days from now. And uh, I'm committing career suicide by putting... <laughs> By putting these untested student projects in front of a bunch of famous authors. Yeah. That's true. He doesn't know if their projects are any good. As we see. It would make a lot of sense to, if you could work this, like have all the presentations, work out who's, is, work out who is prepared to present this in a bigger stage, possibly mm -hmm. in front of the person who they're writing about. Um, and then invite those people there don't do <laughs> yeah. it cold oh my god Re at least read the written reports first teachers. yes this is horrifying you don't know who's going to just like vomit out of nerves on the stage that could be anyone marianne <laughs> she manages not to uh sorry i keep spoiling everything but yeah um just no but don't, like don't do this but yeah no this is this is diabolical this is awful i can only assume actually maybe he just really hates these kids maybe this was fully yeah. intentional well also maybe he wants to retire early <laughs> maybe sure. fuck uh, education <laughs> i've decided this whole career of mine was a wash and i'm moving to florida i'm gonna go fishing christy helpfully suggests that the local newspapers will probably cover this which like <laughs> she's not wrong they're definitely gonna cover this but it's christy. really unhelpful to point it out don't tip off the media. <laughs> it's the last thing Marianne needs. Angry Pig goes hog wild. <laughs> they need content. I mean, I recall several, um, like, young adult fiction writers showing up at various schools I attended. So I think they do this a lot. Um, but and I don't know if the Irish Times showed up to... Yeah, but this is the Stony Brook News. They're desperate for content. They no, covered true. a sleepover. Like... They're definitely turning up for this. I don't remember an author ever going to school, primary school when I was there. Okay. But if they had, I'm pretty sure the Bingo Independent would have shown up. As I think I previously <laughs> yeah. said in this, one day a literal journalist came to second class to interview us about what our favourite subjects were. <laughs> there was also a photographer. <laughs> so no murders in Lusk that day. <laughs> And this is all of Fingal. That includes swords. And I'll bring it in their reasonably sized towns. That has actual people there. Could have yeah. been any number of murders. <laughs> I mean, no, still, still murders, murders yeah. but, you know. It could have been any number of uh, bakeries having a sale. <laughs> <laughs> there are no bakeries in Lusk. It's too small. 
I bet they have bakeries in Balbriggan, though. Oh, yeah, they would. But yeah, Christy absolutely has gauged the level of press interest in this. Like, I, I think Christy is <laughs> yeah, she's right, right. This is pure really Stony Brook news. <laughs> not what Marianne needs to hear. I'm in fits, though, like, thinking about um, Christy sneaking out to the payphone and tipping off the local paparazzi. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the Kardashians telling the paparazzi that Kim is going to show up at some some nightclub somewhere. Rumour like, has it, some kids are going to do presentations in the auditorium. <laughs> Get out! Send two photographers! Okay. <laughs> we need our most experienced reporter on the beat. <laughs> The middle school beat must be one of the most exciting ones in Stony Brook. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, with the babysitters in town, they keep getting stuck on islands and winning the lottery and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Middle school tied with the community centre for, like, where the action mm. is. Yeah. So Pete and Marianne are freaking out over this, and Pete decides that they should each read their own section of the project, uh, which... Koki and Logan look kind of queasy at because neither of them has handed in a section of project. Um, and Pete's like, great, just have it ready by Friday. Meeting adjourned. He sounded like Christy at a BSC meeting, but I didn't tell him so. I didn't think he'd appreciate it. But that was delightful. Yeah. Pete knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the plan is that they will hand in, in written form, the complete four-part report that Pete and Marianne did to cover Logan and Cokie's asses so that they get a good grade. But when they come to give the presentation, Pete and Marianne will read what they wrote and then they will leave Logan and Cokie to be hoist by their own incompetent petards. So ballsy. This is just incredible. Like I know. I love it. I, I yeah, I do, I do love it. I don't know if I ever would have done that, but I really, I think, would have appreciated the, like, just the vindictive pleasure I would have got out of, like, you did this to yourself. Oh yeah, I would have wished I had the nerve. So good. Deeply satisfying. Marianne ostensibly, like, has feelings for Logan, but she's still like, no, uh, you know, all is fair in love, war, and um, school book projects. I mean, I think she does a lot of, like, imagining Logan in the situation and feeling bad, whereas she's imagining Koki and being like, huh. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I do, uh, but I, I, I think if it wasn't for Pete, she wouldn't have done that. But I also think it is partly, like, it's only fair. I mean, yes. Logan did this like, to himself. Logan did this to himself. This isn't something she's doing to him. So I think she's, you know, I, I, I'm actually yeah. not surprised that she's kind of like, yeah. And it is logistically difficult to work out what else you're supposed to do when, like, this portion of the work has been assigned. And if yeah. you do it, do you then, like, sneakily hand it to them? five minutes yeah. beforehand and say read this out koki isn't gonna be able to read all the long words yeah no <laughs> like and all that cursive maria's yes. handwriting is really hard to read oh it's really dire yeah yeah <laughs> she doesn't have a computer to type this up on yeah um logan is just you know they're allowing him to experience the consequences of his own actions and to grow through experience they're gentle parenting him yeah, yes. yeah. natural consequences for logan <laughs> And also extremely for Koki. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, next chapter, she's um, emoting at Tigger while he demolishes her clothes. Um, <laughs> and Hashtag just cat things. She's feeling bad about Logan, but um, 
also is still furious with him <laughs> and um also furious at herself for still having feelings for him when like he's being kind of a pain in the ass mm-hmm. um then logan phones her up um and wants to like do some planning for the presentation and <laughs> Um, he reveals that he has actually finally written something for it and Marianne is like yeah I thought you hadn't because you're spending all your time with Koki um, and he said that he finally managed to like pull it out at the last minute but that Koki has not done anything. To be honest when someone rings you up at the last minute to say we should do some planning for this project <laughs> like you assume this is the bit where they go I haven't done anything. How do I cover my ass? Yep. <laughs> yes. Logan has just realized how fucked he is and is desperately trying to salvage this. He's actually done the work, though, which is not what you expect. Yeah, so Logan's yes. just pulled an all-nighter or two and got, the, got it done. Good for yeah. him. Actually doing that. <laughs> Nobody expected it at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, he does whine a little bit about how Marianne and Pete have been, like, excluding them and working on it. Marianne is like, <laughs> Yeah, because you've been off, like, smooching with Koki. And he's like, Marianne, let's not fight. (laughs) You were in fucking Brick Township watching some kind of sport. (laughs) That's in New Jersey, Logan. How did you even get there? (laughs) Yeah, this is not fighting. Marianne is just telling him what happened. (laughs) Yes. Um, So they agree that, like, fuck Koki, but Logan still wants to get a good grade on this so um can he meet with marianne and pete to try and salvage this um so first of all he just meets with marianne and she tells him that they um basically did his project for him because they had no faith in him (laughs) and (laughs) logan is kind of embarrassed and grudgingly admits that yeah that she's there (laughs) um (laughs) basically yes he does in fact seem to have been sort of hypnotized by koki to hear him tell it um he missed marianne and then koki like dated at him and he sort of went along with it i yeah you gotta to go to a date with somebody implies you actually have to leave the house you have to put on pants and leave the house and show up. <laughs> like, it's not something that you can be fully passive about. You could have, like, pretended to not be home. <laughs> yes. Uh, Logan is not entirely owning his role in this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, he did an awful lot of admitting it, considering. Yes. Uh, he did also say, Marianne, Let's not fight. Um, we're supposed to be working as a group, which is <laughs> the funniest, passive-aggressive <laughs> things you could say. Yeah, I think he gets a B for self-awareness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he he, he uh, uses a faux apology, not like a, a little bit. apology. There's like a yeah, a high apology <laughs> for those of us who were there <laughs> in two thousand and. Six. <laughs> I'm sorry you were offended by my complete lack of participation in our group assignment. Um, and I know Koki hasn't done her share of the work, but let's forget about that for the time being. Like, <laughs> r- really? That's pretty salient, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's kind of part of what we have to, um, you know, work around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is cheerfully 
like just abandoning her to her fate along with everyone else. <laughs> yes. She and Pete and Logan get together and coordinate their project. Logan has to do some reformatting so it fits with their format and they um feel that they have three quarters of a good presentation put together. Nobody mm. knows or cares what Koki has done. <laughs> Marianne then remembers to be terrified about giving a presentation in front of a bunch of people plus <laughs> Megan Reinhardt. Yes. I like that that's kind of a, a last minute thing like, oh yes, shit, this is horrifying. Yeah, oh no, what's the thing I've been working towards? Crap. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, now we got some more Toilet Monster chapter. The kids are afraid of the Toilet Monster. There might be a problem with the tank. Possibly the problem is there's a monster in it. I mean, yeah. Mm. Christy sort of like does some inconsequential monologuing about how lots of people have fears and then they laugh at everyone else's fears but agree that their own fear is fully justified. Then the kids try to just not flush the toilet to sidestep the whole problem and I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner, honestly. Then they go to sleep. Uh, the upshot is that Christy is like, I cured them of their fears. Yeah. Yeah. Which she doesn't particularly seem to have done, but we don't care. Nobody babysits for anybody else in this whole chapter. It's only the Cormans. In the whole uh, book, yeah. I'm just sorry. In the whole book, it's just like constant toilet monster. Cormans, hot dogs, toilet monsters. I was extremely sick of the toilet monster by this point. I never want to hear the phrase toilet monster again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, author day. Yay. It's author day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, Christy was right. Uh, at the microphone in the centre of the stage stood Mr. Kingbridge. He looked out at the audience, which consisted not only of students and teachers, but parents and newspaper reporters as well. There you go. She's tipped off the paps. Yep. All the parents have bunked off work. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <Not at> work. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Logan, Pete, Koki and Marianne go up onto the stage. Marianne trips on the steps, bumps into Koki, her dress falls off and everyone laughs at her. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out we are actually just in Marianne's head uh, she's having a terrifying vision of things to come um, Dom has advised her to visualise the event going well to make sure that it will go well um, Marianne has put the worst possible spin on this and is just visualising worst case scenarios and then is like oh no now I have manifested this bad outcome this is how the toilet monster happened yeah, they, yeah. there's too much manifesting in this book <laughs> this is like the secret but <laughs> many years in advance and with babysitting <laughs> and group projects and hot dogs and hot dogs <laughs> oh, that is that is not a good book no. <laughs> no part of it is a combination no part of this combination it makes for a good book no um so Marianne for real arrives at the school um her dad and Sharon have bunked off work to come to the assembly her dad is bringing a camera she's just grateful that it's not a video camera um the school has been decorated kids in the computer classes have made fancy printouts illustrating the book titles this is adorable wow um uh, and Mr. Kingbridge is wearing a three-piece suit, which is amazing. The printouts are so pixelated. Yes. It's probably like, you can actually read the titles because it's like, it's like 20 by 20. Yeah. <laughs> it's so blocky. They're blown up to like 72 point and the fonts were not designed for this. <laughs> and like the actual authors can probably recognize their own books, <laughs> but nobody else can. Nobody else can. <laughs> They're brought up on stage. Um, 
Koki is looking very stressed out and is shredding a Kleenex into its constituent molecules. <laughs> and Mr. Kingbridge starts to speak and introduce them all. Uh, Marianne and Logan, like, hold hands out of sheer panic. And Marianne is like, <laughs> hey! They must be men for each other. That's the only thing this could possibly signify. Definitely. Um... Mr. Kingbridge said how honoured we were to be able to welcome into our school three such distinguished authors as those sitting on stage, or something like that. In some situations, he becomes a bit wordy. Around royalty, he would probably be reduced to speaking nonsense. Whereas turnarounds our hallowed halls do seek for the greater imperious notions of sanctified nations. Blither, blither, blither. I know. When you say it, it sounds like some actual words that I don't fully understand but reading on the page I was like that is that is word salad (laughs) it is word salad (laughs) I just said it very convincingly Esther you should go into public speaking I have a very convincing voice yeah (laughs) put a lot of feeling into the word salad and then no one can tell it's salad until they stopped and thought about it for a minute I think I have a golden future in politics I mean it's worked for Donald Trump until it stopped working for Donald Trump he also doesn't know any words that big that's true. Sanctified? No. That's, no. that's too long. Run. You do have to make sure you do the Mr. Kingsbury accent at all times, yeah. though. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Otherwise it may not work. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think my normal voice has that dignity. <laughs> so, um, Pete gives an excellent presentation. Um, he is charismatic, but not hammy. Uh, Marianne is terrified, but her content is good, so she gets a round of applause. Logan is somewhere in between. Uh, Koki plagiarizes the blurb from the jacket flaps of the book um, and just recites that it is powerful, tautly told tales peopled with an array of unique characters. Uh, Marianne and Logan frantically try to keep straight faces. Honestly, that is the best solution. She could have got. Yep. If she wasn't going to do any actual work, then yes. This is the best like revenge on Koki Mason in any of the books so far. Yes. Yeah. It's the one that we most appreciate. <laughs> also, it's on a stage in front of many, many people. It's also a lot more believable than whatever the hell they did with, like, flying ghost dummies in the cemetery. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I would have enjoyed seeing that, but yeah, this is more believable. Um, yep. Hoist on one's own lack of research. Um, yeah. Also, though, if you're... You can't just, like... It, <sighs> I, if I was Koki, I would have said, uh, I would have gotten my mom to ring in and say that she has a terrible sore throat and she can't do her part of the oh, presentation. Gosh. That's what you would actually do here. This is the next best thing. The third best thing I would, would have be broken my own leg to stay home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was um, what was your nomination for third best thing, Karen? Oh, do the actual work, I guess. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> she wasn't going to do that though so no. um, yeah I'm surprised she didn't just show up this is a much better um, sort of dramatic consequence for her but yes yeah. yeah realistically you would just be like no I have like super diarrhea I'm not coming in <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to state this publicly to the entire school because it is better than the humiliation that would ensue mm-hmm. yeah um, 
Anyway, she says that Megan Reinhardt is her very most favourite author in the world and gets an extremely faint whispering of applause. <laughs> Everyone else gives their presentations. Uh, Marianne spots all her friends in the audience. We get a weird detail that Mallory is surprisingly not sitting anywhere near Jesse. Mm. Um, so I'm wondering if that is foreshadowing for a future book, if they're like on the outs or something. I think the next book is like Mallory on strike or something. Yeah, but I think she's at odds with her family in that. So maybe she I don't know. also has a spat with Jesse. I don't know. Mm. I guess we'll find out. Yes. Um. Then they have questions. Koki embarrasses herself a bit further. Uh. <laughs> then she runs away and misses out on getting a signed copy of Megan Reinhardt's latest book. And Marianne and Logan are relieved and delighted. And then Logan asks if it's convenient for her would Marianne like to go for dinner tomorrow night as a way of him thanking her for all her help um so Marianne obviously says yes um she decides he's suffered enough <laughs> and he very very like deferentially uh asks if she really does want to go for dinner um only if that's really okay with her he suggests a health food restaurant <laughs> and Marianne is like no, I get enough of that shit at home. So <laughs> they go for Italian food. <laughs> um, and then Marianne and Dawn talk about how maybe one day in the future when they've all learned to drive, Logan will come pick Marianne up in a red convertible. Or maybe Marianne will come pick Logan up for dates, like the empowered woman she is. Um, and then Marianne admits that like they haven't officially got back together and maybe they're not back together. But um, anyway... She's not going to let him run her life because she can run her own life now. It would be so much funnier if it was like, I'm not going to let Logan or anyone else ruin my life, which is what I thought it was like. <laughs> I can do that for myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we could all yeah. do that for ourselves. Relatable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Marianne and Logan get to the restaurant. Um, Logan slips his arm through hers and she wonders, is he just being polite or does it mean something more? It is hilariously quaint to think that in 1991, boys were giving girls their arms out of platonic politeness, even yeah, no. theoretically. Like, no. I, I don't think that's a thing. Unless you're falling over drunk on very high heels. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Marianne announces that she misses Logan. Hey, that's the name of the book. And Logan says that he misses her too. And he holds her hand. And then she asks, um, you know, what about Koki? And Logan just very callously is like, she's nothing to me. <laughs> yeah, that's a great sign, Marianne. <laughs> yeah, like he's he, he's overcompensating a little bit here. Just, can we read this whole dialogue? Yes, uh, please do. He's like, huh? Was his answer? Koki? Yeah, you remember the person you've been dating for the last month or so. She doesn't mean anything to me. Nothing? Well, hardly anything. She's fun, Marianne, but she isn't you. It's like, mm, <laughs> that, <laughs> you sound like a rake. <laughs> a cad. A bounder. A bounder. Exactly. <laughs> like, not that we want to get all up and like, you know, what about Koki? Were you being mean to Koki, Logan? Um, You know, if we're Marianne. But... Yeah, she's yeah. been around for a while. You've you've been spending quite a lot of time going to New Jersey with her, 
romantic New Jersey. Just account for yourself, Logan. Hey, Atlantic City is in, or a sea city rather is in Jersey. And that's where romance happens. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> Ice cream parlor shenanigans based romance. Um, hmm. Okay, yes. Logan is like, uh... yes, he blames Koki for his, his poor grades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, since I let Koki talk me into going out with her so much, my grades dropped. I almost messed up on the author project and, and I hurt Koki, which I didn't really mean to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like hurting anybody. I'm a nice guy, Marianne. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I let Koki talk me into going out with her so much is some hilarious, like, circumlocutions for, like, I went on a bunch of dates with Koki. We made out in the cinema. <laughs> like... <laughs> She she did not like bamboozle you into going on these dates. Yeah. Um dates that were just like unbelievably visible to your ex. Yes. He has to be aware of this. Important dates to buy new CDs. If he's not like terrified of Marianne and the whole group project situation that he is failing on, like <laughs> he's definitely he has to be conscious, even if he's not doing it on purpose, that she is going to have a like some kind of reaction to the fact that he and Koki are going on dates every other night at least. <laughs> yeah. He yeah, he is he is trying to play dumb and it's just not very convincing. Um also he hasn't spoken to Koki since Author Day. Um He's just like, yeah, I haven't spoken to her. She must realize that this was her fault. She also must be pretty mad at me, but she'll just have to get over that, though. Mm. But Logan's not good at breakups. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's really not. This is... None of this is good. Anyway, then the food arrives. Then they talk about the fucking toilet monster. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we still debating the existence of the toilet monster? I don't know. <laughs> like... Toilet monster real. Let's move on. This yes. debate is over. Yes. Um, Logan thinks the situation will work itself out big surprise <laughs> that's his answer to everything um, then Logan says our dinner is almost over now and I haven't said what I really wanted to say tonight and Marianne says oh you mean thank you thank you mm -hmm. yesterday you said you wanted to take me to dinner as a way of thanking me for giving you a hand with the project oh right so you're welcome I love the sass. I love I love Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> she's just, she's yeah. just letting him stew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. Uh, you you can you can roll out all the romance. We can be sharing an ice cream sundae here. Um but unless you fucking tell me what you mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make any kind of assumption. Acknowledge the value of my labor. Uh, which there was a lot of. And use words. When you want something. So he asks her if she'd like to go out on a real date sometime because I don't know what the hell this hand-holding Italian dinner was. <laughs> and then... Wow, um, it's going to be some date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's going to put his arms around her, give her a hug and a kiss and tell her that the next English assignment is going to be fine. <laughs> I guess that's what she really wants. Isn't that what we all want from a romance? <laughs> <laughs> Someone tell their husbands. Yeah, I can't remember the last time my husband told me my English assignment was going to be great. <laughs> That's terrible. That's practically neglectable. I know. I'm so sad. We we can find you a marriage counselor. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's time. 
just doesn't care about my English assignments, you guys. God, that just makes me think of those dreams that you have where you're like, oh God, I'm going to do so badly on my geography leaving search because like, I guess I haven't been attending geography for the last 23 years. <laughs> yes. How was I getting away with that? I feel so guilty. <laughs> well, they're all going to notice. I gotta tell you, those dreams come roaring back when your kids start secondary school. It is wall-to-wall secondary school anxiety dreams for me around here. Oh, now no. both of us are in secondary school. No. <laughs> That's so awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one of them, she was in first year and I was in sixth year to make it like a bit less awkward. And I was like, I really think I did the leaving already. I don't know why I have to do it again. <laughs> Oh, I repeated one subject for the leaving, and that means that I get to just have endless leaving cert repeat dreams. Like, oh God! Yeah. Um, my dad tells me also that um those dreams are just perpetual. Um, he's had the leaving cert maths exam, opening the paper and being like, I don't understand any of this since the leaving cert. But he said for a while when he was helping my sister with her maths when she was doing her leaving, it would change slightly, and he'd open the paper and he'd be like, Oh crap! And then he'd go, Well. I guess since I'm helping Steffi on this, um, I might have a chance at like, you know, actually doing the paper. I'm a bit more familiar. And then be like, hang on, I have an 18 year old daughter. I'm not doing the leaving stage. That's amazing. Uh, and then he said that went away and now he has the old dreams again. Oh no. <laughs> so he only got a temporary respite from Great. So the underlying trauma is still there. Yes. It doesn't help if you work in a maths adjacent field for 40 years. You're still going to have to do the Leaving Cert maths exam in your dreams every oh, once in a while. No. Oh. So, uh, yeah, Marianne and Logan have agreed to go on a date. Um, Logan phones her later that evening um, to ask what she's doing tomorrow. And she says she's going to the mall with her friends but in a wholesome, non-babysitter's agency kind of way. <laughs> Nobody will smoke or chew gum. Logan, to show that he has grown as a human, does not tell her to cancel her plans and hang out with him. He respects her boundaries and says he'll see her on Monday. And that's the end. Hmm. I'm glad there was, like, there was a lot of a mixture between, like, acknowledging and calling out Logan's previous bad behaviour and, like, Marianne just utterly glossing over it, being like, I'm not sure even how we broke up. Yeah, it's dumped weird. him because like, he was an asshat. He seems to have internalized that more than she has. <laughs> well, I'm glad because he's the one who needed to. Yes, that's true. Yeah, like he kind of sucks a lot of the time, and she's like, he sucks, but I want him back. And then she gets him back. <laughs> yeah, that. Is the plot okay? I'm glad it's not just me. I guess it's everyone compromises uh, quite quite a bit, um, except for Pete. Pete's great. No. <laughs> well, yeah. Pete only has one goal, and it's a fairly reasonable one. Um, and he just focuses on that and lets everybody else, um, you know, <laughs> he gives them all enough rope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. yeah, um. I don't know. I felt like this was, this did sort of work quite well as a reconsideration of the stuff that happened in that previous book that wasn't amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, at least from Logan's end. Uh, Marianne is a little bit forgiving. Um, that's, that, now that you say that, that's kind of true to character though. Yeah. And yeah. it's a little bit also 
you know, she's forgetting about the stuff that she broke up with him or remembering the stuff that she dated him for in the first place. She also definitely was going to let him embarrass himself if he didn't come up with the goods. Yeah. Project-wise. That's true. He he did, um, like, she gave him a little bit of a test, um, kind of like <laughs> she did with Koki. Like, that's <laughs> what she does. Um, and he he realized that he was about to um, crash and burn. Yeah. Uh, and managed to rescue himself at the last minute. And so she's like, okay, we can reconsider this whole situation. So it's, it is interesting just how enmeshed this um, relationship is with this particular group project. Like they're just so <laughs> inextricable. I don't think we've teased it all out. No. <laughs> well, you know, we've only been at this for three hours. So yeah, we could be here for days. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> We will do a hasty fashion report. Cowboy boots are still the epitome of fashion. Mm -hmm. Marianne says she's allowed to dress more cool, but she's not allowed to wear really cool things such as cowboy boots. Um, Yeah, I do not remember cowboy boots being the be all and the end all at this time, but uh, Mm. we get a vague description of what California casual actually is. It is loose, comfortable clothes with a lot of style. This is extremely big, but it's still the most detail we've gotten on what California casual is. Mm. Stacy is where Stacy always knows what's the newest in fashion, and she puts together chic outfits like paisley print leggings, a huge long shirt, short black lace-up boots, and a ton of silver jewelry. She might top off the look with a black fedora. She's also allowed to wear makeup. Plus, she'll do wild things like paint a tiny heart on each of her fingernails. It is extremely cute and quaint to t- think that that is wild. Yes. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that, that is like a very wholesome thing that a nine-year-old might do. At around um, like 98, 99, I remember one of the, like uh, probably J17 or something, one of those magazines referencing nail piercing oh. and going, ah, um, I guess this is like a precursor to that. It's like, oh, we can do different things on all of the nails. Shocking, horrifying. <laughs> But also less likely to get snagged on everything. So Yeah. No, that is I I think though there was like one very, very fashionable girl in our year who got a nail piercing once. But like it only lasts like two weeks, so it's kind of a waste of money and it's gonna break sooner than that. Yeah. Marianne's controversial outfit that is too revealing but not as revealing as a bathing suit is an <laughs> oversized blue top and a pair of red tights. Oh my mm. god, Richard Camden. I mean, it does sound loud, but okay. <laughs> I, I don't think that's his objection. Marianne, those colours clash terribly. <laughs> it's called colour blocking, Dad. Look it up. <laughs> A lot of good um, Richard Spear impressions in this one. <laughs> um, and that is everything for fashion. It's not a very fashiony book. Normally, Marianne books have like more outfits, but mm. I guess... She was a bit was... preoccupied here. She was. She was. <laughs> We barely heard a peep out of Stacy or Claudia, come to think of it. Yeah, so. we didn't even get like a proper Claudia example outfit. Yeah, they were too busy to writing about the goddamn toilet monster. Like, this was a really good book, though. It Except was, yeah. toilet monster aside. To be honest, it says a lot for how good the A-plot is that, like, despite the toilet monster, we all really enjoyed this book. And there was so much toilet monster, but, like, it balanced it out. I would have been very grateful for like at least one of the Toilet Monster episodes to be replaced with like the like Chewbacca the dog <laughs> shenanigans wrecking like, shit. Yeah, I it it gives me a greater appreciation for the absolutely pointless goes nowhere but funny vignettes that we get yeah. in some books. But um, 
yeah some karen brewer playing let's all come in would have been a welcome relief (laughs) i think that even the like the conclusion of that was christy thought she had cured their fears and everyone was like i don't know about that like christy i think that fear is going to be ongoing and then it is which i guess also like many parts of parenting are very tedious and ongoing (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point At some point I have to like clarify that I do love my children and that they're great. I feel like I only complain about them on this. And it would be really terrible if I like got hit by a bus or something and they wound up listening to this when they're in their 20s and been like, oh my God, my mother hated us. <laughs> no, they're mostly, you know, funny and enjoyable. Um, but yes, the the to be honest, the, the terrible parts are more podcast worthy. Like, <laughs> yeah, like there's not great comedy to be mined from like the joy of motherhood. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Our next book is I am very excited for this. It is Babysitter's Mystery Number One, Stacy and the Missing Ring. Mm. Um, so join us for that. In the meantime, hit us up on the social. We're on X. Don't call no, it. No, we're that. not. We're on Twitter. <laughs> that's like that's like calling it the Aviva or the O2. It's Answer Road. <laughs> it's the point. It's Twitter. Okay, yeah, we're on Twitter uh, for until I lose patience. Um, <laughs> we're on Instagram. We much prefer hanging out there. Uh, we're on Facebook, technically. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we're on Tumblr, technically. We're on Mastodon, technically. Uh, we're not... Yeah. We're not, we're not big on the L social. We're not going to be on threads forever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> we're not on Parler. We're not on Telegram. <laughs> that's because we're not racist. Yeah. <laughs> or at least it's not something we celebrate about ourselves. <laughs> It's because we actively try to not be racist. That's the one. <laughs> there it is. We are on Kofi. I'm just oh, yes. still fingers, by the way. Because you you're that. dignified. <laughs> I genuinely forgot we were on Kofi, so thank you. Um, and you can drop us an email at the podcast at donshouse at gmail.com. Um, and in the meantime, um, Always remember, the toilet monster is real and group projects are a fucking nightmare. <laughs>